0: Amplified Welcome everybody to the Amner Martinez Podcast My name is Amnon Martinez And this Is Kenji Akata Hi The Karate, the karate Man You're a Karate Man Karate Man the Karate yeah. Man uh, Back with a new episode This episode um, Is brought to you by That's fake yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What okay,
1: nobody gives us money for this. Yeah, so it's brought to you by Amner and Infinite Resources,
0: where we have jobs. Right. And Kenji, you're a sensei. You're uh, karate do Shitokai DSM. Anyways, you teach karate. Right. right. So it's brought to you by karate DSM Karate DSM We gotta start saying something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, karate fully a, sponsors this.
0: Yes. Let's let's do a commercial. Oh, real we'll quick. see. We'll see at the end of the the episode. See who signs up and who doesn't sign up. Yeah. If you heard, if you sign your kids up for karate. I don't even karate, know if, it, I don't even sure know if it's gonna em. be
1: good. What if it's like really bad? And then what? karate the morning is just like uh, What's bad? a podcast? Yeah, what if this episode sucks? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know. So so <laughs> pending sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pending sponsorship. <laughs>
0: it's not. It's not a. Oh shit! That's funny. Okay, so this is actually a good episode. Next guest is Ed Fallon with the Fallon Forum. So Ed Fallon uh, has many many uh, uh, lives. He's been a lawmaker. He's he lawmaker? has a yeah, he was uh, for, like, 14 years. Okay. Uh, Where? Here. Here? Yeah. So, he's an outspoken um, person, uh, local Iowan, that uh, he started the fo- the Fallon Forum. Okay. Uh, like, I don't know, before podcast was cool, before YouTube was cool, he's been doing, interviewing people. I think he said over a thousand people in the last, you know, over a decade. Whoa. So um so and he's still doing it he's been consistent with it uh so he, he you know he's uh he says what's in his mind and you know he's uh he has a platform and he uses it um he wrote a book uh. called marcher walker pilgrim let's use kenji's yeah that's better let me do that. There you go. Yeah, Walker, Marcher's Walker, Pilgrim. Uh, you, it's a you, you don't say that um, very well. What, Marcher
1: Walker? <laughs> you sound like say it. You say <laughs> yeah. it. Marcher Walker Pilgrim. Marcher <laughs>
2: Walker. <laughs> like,
0: marcher Walker Pilgrim. Okay, there you go. That's better. A memoir from the Great March for Climate Action by oh, okay. Ed Fallon. Okay. Yeah, he walked nine months with like oh, okay. 50 plus people. Okay, he wow. walked um, people or where walk? He walked across the country. Oh. and Across the country? Yes. From where to where? From the West Coast to here, the East Coast. There's some map in this book, which I, I bought the book, by the way. Um, yeah, look. From California to what is that? New York? Uh, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, like a east, 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 very east. It's Washington. Yeah, DC. I think so. Here, let's use the the camera that we use to show people. So, and for people that are just listening, they
1: can buy this book. He's just showing uh, a book on a camera. So
0: yes. Uh, just <laughs> imagine it's like from coast to coast. Yeah, coast to coast. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because we have people that listen. So. Uh, and he walked here too. So, anyways, so he walked here. He walked here. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He is, it's, it's, he's a. He's it's a, not funny. He's a uh, guy. We're he, laughing. He's yeah, a guy okay. that's up for like you know. He's climate change is the issue mm-hmm. that he gets behind and. Oh, okay. Um, you know, you gotta respect that. that yeah, when he yeah, told I me he walked, that. I was like, man, yeah. that's dope. So, I mean, I, uh, I'd love to, you know be
1: behind uh you know all these causes but i'm not willing to walk yeah 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 (laughs) Uh, what are you what are you for kenji i don't know i'm I'm for uh i don't know freedom of speech not really i don't like freedom of speech okay people say shit that i don't want to (laughs) hear so i'm not for it (laughs) you're okay i'm for
0: people just like keeping to themselves Mm -hmm. and like so ed fallon has a forum. forum the fallon Forum. And I wanted to talk to him about politics. So he's a politic kind of person. So politicking. Okay. We were politicking. But mostly I was wanting to get his point of view on a lot of things like uh, world issues, federal issues, state, city. Like we even talked about city council and school boards, stuff like that. So and sometimes, you know, he says things that other people are not going to agree with, but he says it. So it is what it is. So, um this is uh I don't know what number episode this is, but this is Ed Fallon with the Fallon Forum and Go check out the book. I'm sure you can find it. Um we'll put the links and stuff. Yeah, we'll put links. Um so here you go, Ed Fallon at the Amner Martinez podcast. So, um you interviewed me on the Ed Fallon Forum. Uh, in two thousand thirteen, did you know that Chris? Did I tell you about that? I forgot.
3: So I mean, I've had thousands y- of guests. Right. <laughs> I can't remember w- what we talked about? Yeah. We
0: so, about. so you you started so we, this whole. So this part of our conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you can do whatever. We can cuss. It's all open forum. I mean. Um, but. I went to jail for immigration, mm-hmm. and then that's when um Steve King was saying all those derogatory let uh see your, let me see your calves, I, right, calves? right 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 yes they're, they're smaller than candles. yes <laughs> that's around that time so we talked about immigration and yeah. stuff like that so but you've been doing it for nine years the Ed Fallon Forum 13, Thirteen years yep. okay tell me a little bit of the history because you started doing this before podcast was cool oh, yeah, before, before yeah
3: no it was um I, I had been a I'd been a frequent guest on Jan Michaelson's show mm-hmm Formerly the, the the former fairly right wing talk show host on on WHO, been, since been replaced by uh, Jeff Angelo, uh-huh. and um, I was on there often enough because um, I was the only Democrat that would come on his show.
0: Okay, <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, once in a while he'd have me guest host for him, um, something that Steve King would also do. It was okay, one of the few things that Steve King and I had in common is we would occasionally guest host for Jan Michelson, and there was um. Not quite as big of a station. I mean, WHO is the biggest. That's the, quote, clear channel. Uh-huh. Another station called WOW 98.3, uh, owned by uh, Cumulus, uh-huh. owned by Citadel, Citadel, I believe. And uh, that covered about 33 counties. And they asked me to come and do a program. Uh-huh. They said, well, the only catch is it costs you 350 bucks a show.
0: Okay. <laughs>
3: and so I thought about that, and I went through the prospects of uh, raising... You know, sp- sponsorships, advertising sponsorships. Right. I realized I thought I could pull it off, <clears throat> and um, we did. It cost so it cost me seventy two grand a year to be on the air. Really? I mean, I'm, I mean, even that is hugely inequitable when you've got <laughs> people like, you know, the local talk show hosts making mm-hmm. six figures, mm-hmm. and then the craziest national talk show hosts. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck. Sean Hannity, what do they earn? I mean, millions, millions. and millions. Uh-huh. I, think, I think one of them I saw was making $25 million uh-huh. a year. You know, And here I had to pay seventy two grand to be on the air. Yes. That's not exactly fair, uh-huh. but I did it because I was able to. I was able to find the revenue to do that. And uh-huh. I, I appreciated the opportunity to have that voice. This is a station, by the way, that had 24-7 talk radio, 21 hours of right-wing radio, and me and a guy named Chris Bradshaw county for no, I guess. Oh, sorry. Twenty hours of right wing uh-huh. radio, and then four hours of progressive or even moderate talk. Mm-hmm. That's balance right there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. balance. <laughs> and I had to pay <laughs> seventy two grand. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it gets worse uh, because because uh, when um, when uh, Cumulus bought up the station, uh-huh. they threw off all the local talent, not just me and Bradshaw, but they threw off anybody local who was doing sports or anything else as well. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. And so then I had to reinvent the whole thing. And eventually I found my way onto a Latino station. Right. Uh, Juan Rodriguez, uh, uh, his station. La Reina. Uh, yeah, La Reina y la ley. He has the both La Reina y la ley. Uh-huh. And in that case, I was the only hour of English <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the entire week. <laughs> so uh, it, it was quite a shift. <laughs> yeah. Instead of being one of the few hours of not conservative talk, I was suddenly one of the only hour of English. But um, that was a great ride. I really And I really respect Juan. Uh, it just... Made more sense to move the studio to my home, and it was Mm -hmm. perfect timing because we did that just before the coronavirus hit. Mm -hmm, Right, so we were able to hunker down and keep the show going there. Uh, Probably the most challenging thing was to keep the program going while I was walking across the country on on this the Great March for Climate Action.
0: Let me see this. So you wrote? I I wrote
3: a book about it. Ah, and um,
0: (laughs) Marcher Walker Pilgrim. That's right. Yeah, a memoir from the Great March. For climate action,
3: and in there, I talk about how foolish I was for trying to do my program every single day.
0: It doesn't it feel that way a little bit. (laughs) Um, So we're doing a podcast. We we started doing it, um, you know, 2019. You've been doing it for a long, 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 long time. 2009. Right. So why do why do we do this type of stuff, Ed? Tell me.
3: Well, the um, the uh, you know the, the, the. Media has become a problem because it is so controlled by big corporations. Mm-hmm. Even media that's not, you know, not, not off the wall crazy to the right mm-hmm. is pretty corporate. Right. <laughs> and that, that doesn't mean they don't have important things to say. You know, it doesn't mean that even some of the right wing shows don't have important things to say. Mm-hmm. But what it means is that most of us aren't going to get a chance to say anything. Mm-hmm. Our, 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 our lone opportunity to land... Uh, a, some something we want to say on the air uh, is to be, you know, to call into a talk show. Uh-huh. Uh, and again, we're unlikely to be allowed onto a talk show like, you know, Simon Conway's, for example. Uh-huh. But uh, or we can write a letter to the editor. Occasionally, they'll let, they'll let us write an op-ed. So we have to find other ways of communicating. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really important what you're doing, what other uh, podcasters are doing. It's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's thankless. <laughs> uh, and we're swimming against the tide. But right. Uh, sometimes when the tide's going a certain way, your only option is to swim against it.
0: Right. And, so, and you talk about this in your book.
3: Uh, what I talk about in my book relevant to the podcast is how mm-hmm. dumb it was for me to try to do it every day. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand, we're walking an average of 15.6 miles a day. Okay. Sometimes as much as 20, 24 miles a day. And every day... At at uh, a certain time, and then the time changes because as we're moving through the country, we go through four time zones. But uh-huh. so every day, I'm trying to find a location at this specific time to call into my program uh-huh. to report on what's happening on the Great March for Climate Action. And so that means trying to find service. because <laughs> I'm doing yes. this all through my phone. Right. And sometimes we're in the desert. We're mm-hmm. in the mountains. There are times when I'm hiding behind a cactus, trying to, you know, protect <laughs> myself from the sun under yeah. a bridge. Sometimes, One, uh, several times, I was in a pickup truck. You can believe some of the places I found myself in order to try to hunker down and do this program. Um, that was a, that was not a great idea. I suggest if you want to do a podcast, you do it in the studio. Congratulations, <laughs> yeah. you got that nail. Don't do it behind a cactus <laughs> yeah. or under a rock. <laughs>
0: so, how long did it take you to do the walk? Tell us about nine that months. march. Uh,
3: well, I got the idea. Uh, well, I was inspired by the Great Peace March back in 1986. I, I was involved with that as an organizer. Okay. I organized the Iowa stretch of the Great Peace March. And I saw how powerful a march could be. I mean, it transformed the lives of uh, 600 people who were on that march.
4: Uh-huh. And
3: they went on to do a lot of really incredible things, um, opposing nuclear testing. And again, uh, to the credit of the marchers in that event and also many other people, we were able to stop nuclear testing in uh, 1996 uh it helped open up the doors to a lot of um we could use this again a lot of dialogue between americans and russians uh-huh <laughs> and uh so i i saw how powerful a walk could be i mean think about it walking is very very basic to who we are as human beings right you know it's, it's what we do to get from point a to point b or what we do to get out of the way of the huns are attacking right uh-huh. or the volcano was about to erupt. Well, in that case, we'd probably run instead of walk, uh, you know. But <laughs> but it's it's when we we move in times of crisis. And so this was our the great climate march, the great march for climate action was our dramatization of the intensity and urgency of the climate crisis. And there were um, I wish it would have been a bigger group. There were fifty of us from all over the country who met in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And uh, March first, we set out, of 2014. And uh, it was absolutely grueling. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are people who walk across the country, and I have have respect for every one of them. The additional challenge of this march was that we were on a schedule. So anytime we got injured or sick, we either had to not walk or walk injured or sick. Right. And there were five of us out of the 50 people who made it every step of the way. I was one of them. And I, I say that, but I could not have done it without the help of the other people who moved camp every day who helped cook meals. I mean, I, and we helped with that as well, but, but there were people who were doing a lot of, uh, really hard work to make sure we could keep the whole operation moving. And at every step along the way, we were having these, uh, these great conversations. I mean, 90% of the time uh-huh. we're in what's called now red state America, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're in areas where people tend to be more conservative, right? tend to be more traditional. They don't, um, they don't necessarily buy climate change, especially back in 2014. Right. And so we were having conversations that I think were very, very important. And I talk about a lot of those in my book. And also, I mean, I talk about the amazing people we met. I talk about some of the internal challenges I'm going through myself, including my, my, uh, my pathetic love life at the time. Uh, <laughs> which really played into the story. And I also talk about, candidly, about the challenges of the march. I mean, we had, we had, um, we had real breakdowns. And uh, differences of opinion, um, fights. <laughs> I mean, it was really. What, where it was are really we? Raw.
0: Where are we compared to 2014? You think on the on the climate conversation? We're not
3: as far along as I thought we would be, or as that, or, or as we should be. Right. I mean, this this thing is barreling toward us like uh, like a ton of bricks. I mean, how many times do you get a major string of tornadoes in the first week of March? Mm. Have we've never had a derecho in December? That and then there they they were what, almost fifty tornadoes that accompanied that derecho last December.
0: Okay. You know, I
3: mean, every indication, not just those, not just anecdotal examples like that, but every 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 indicator about sea level uh, sea level rise, about um, ice melt in the Antarctic, in the Arctic, about uh, the 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 increase, the 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 documentable increase in, in global temperature year after year. I mean, these are all huge warning signs. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I'm deeply concerned about a whole bunch of issues. And we talk about them on my program. We talked about the opioid crisis this this week. But, gosh, climate trumps them all. If we can't figure out this climate mess, uh, nothing else is going to matter. I mean, we we have to figure it out. And I, I really thought we'd be closer to figuring it out by now.
0: So somebody that's... Um a non climate believer, right? Like what, what can somebody, what can you tell somebody for them to pay attention? Um, you know, well, it doesn't affect me. And you know, they hear the, the, uh, you know, rhetoric from the other side and they, you know, it's, it's fine. It doesn't affect me. What can they, what kind of signs can they look for to be like, look, this is affecting you in this way. Mm -hmm. I
3: think more and more people uh, realize stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I, mean there, I think of some of the, the rural conservatives I've met. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily buy the climate change theory, they'd say, but, yeah, things are definitely uh, different. It's definitely, you know, we notice it's warmer. We notice this or that or something else. And and many uh, understand, too, that water quality is becoming a greater issue. That's not exactly a climate change uh, component, but it's, it's certainly connected. So I think the um, one thing I did with my program last year was every – Every week for the first uh, three months of the year, I had uh, an Iowa Trump voter on my program. Okay, yeah, to talk about you know why they voted for Trump, uh-huh. but also um, you know what we have in common. And I got criticized by some on the left. who says, "Why are you wasting time talking to those people? Yeah, why, why let, let them go on Fox News?" Which, I mean, that to me is really narrow minded. That's the kind of narrow mindedness that I think people will accuse. Uh, Trump voters have having, and I heard it coming from the political left. Uh But I I learned a lot. doing. I mean, I have these conversations all the time with my friends who are Uh Iowa Trump voters. Yes, I have plenty of friends who (laughs) voted for Trump. Some of them very good friends, in fact. But, Uh uh, you know, and I think the challenge is to, okay, let's put that behind us and find where we agree. I couldn't believe the number of points of agreement. Uh Even if people aren't on the same page exactly as to why climate change is happening— they understand that it's happening, and and now more so than ever. And now certainly more than in 2014, and they understand that we need to be doing something. There's differences of opinion about what, but there are some things that are more and more universally accepted. I mean, people understand that solar energy is a good thing.
4: Uh huh.
3: Uh huh. Um,
0: is it is it is it that is it our like a human behavior to only re only believe something until we see it, until we touch, it, until it affects us? You know, like cancer, right? Yeah um you hear it and you see all the you know uh <coughs> action that society takes and you know cancer awareness and but um not until it's in like your circle not until it hits somebody that one of your loved ones or a friend and it really you know somebody that has it and sadly passes away not right. until then do you realize oh yeah. cancer is a monster of a uh disease and it's real and, you know, then that's kind of, is it, is that part of like a human aspect that we can't, we just don't react like somebody that's climate, that that's a denier of climate or doesn't believe it. Um, is it until it hits them until it, until something catastrophic happens?
2: I think that's
3: part. I mean, it, the, the truth is, I think we are a lot closer to a more primal, Existence than we would like to believe. We're very fancy, right? We have our mm-hmm. computers. Yeah, uh, we fly in planes. <laughs> you know, we do all yeah. these amazing technological things. Uh, we're very clever. Right. Our wisdom has yet to keep pace with our cleverness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, that's part of the that's a big part of the challenge is how do we jumpstart wisdom? Mm. How do we get to the point where we are wise enough to use the technology we've developed, right? In, in a way that it it helps humanity and doesn't hurt. In, in in the case of climate change, destroy humanity, mm-hmm. and we're we're at a real, you know, moment, a moment right now where that's really uh, that's really the important question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I I'll give you a couple examples from from my mind. I mean, in, in a more primitive situation, we eat all the salt we can get because salt is great, <laughs> you know, and all we and we eat all the sugar we can get. Uh-huh. But you know, those things aren't that uh, prominent in. In most, um, you know, natural ecosystems, where we would we, we be living, living more simply, more primitively. And nowadays, of course, the food giants have learned. Oh, we put salt in everything. Oh, we put sugar in everything. We make everything fatty mm-hmm,
2: <laughs> because mm-hmm.
3: humans love that stuff. Because in a different time, we had to love it. We were we were wired to love that stuff because it mm-hmm. made a huge difference in our survival. Right. And now it's making a huge difference in our demise. Right. In our obesity, in our our heart condition. Diabetes and all these other uh, diseases that are related to our inability to say no to salt, sugar, fat, and again, I don't, you know, I I don't blame people as much as I do corporations and and the government that has allowed corporations to do that. But at some point, individually and collectively, we have to get to the point of saying, okay, um, you know, we, we we our cleverness now has uh, has outdistanced our ability to. Say no to these products uh-huh. you know, that were good back, w- been back in the day. <laughs> yeah, and right now we're destroying us. Now a- it's and and you know that that metaphor to me, is is um, really relevant to the whole climate conversation. It's relevant to, um, to warfare. I mean,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, warfare has never been a good thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when it was conducted with sticks and stones and spears and bows and arrows and maybe even you know shotguns and whatnot, <laughs> muskets. Uh, it was a lot less um, lethal in terms of the speci- species impact. Uh-huh. When it can be conducted with nuclear weapons, we got a whole other conversation. Yeah, so I, I think that's not just war anymore. No, it's not war anymore. It's it's a, it's it's a, it's annihilation, You're right? Potentially. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, so I, you know, for me, um, climate is my primary concern because it is happening. Uh-huh. It is it is it is a it is a it is an emergency moment. Um, the threat of nuclear war is a close second because of that. And that's kind of coming into focus now with what's going on in Ukraine. Uh We have to start taking these major crises points much more seriously. And um, again, we're not, like I said, we're not really programmed to do that. Right. And we have to become wise enough to to program ourselves to do that. Just as we, those of us who have been able to master the uh, evils of sugar, salt, and oil, again, which are all good Uh (laughs) in the right right context, but those of us who have mastered that find benefits we uh. live we live longer we live healthier and uh, we probably have less costs involved overall if you start factoring in healthcare costs
0: right so you you're uh you've lived a few lives uh so you not you're you're an <laughs> author i didn't read that on the on your uh when i was reading about you but mm. you have a, f- a forum you you speak uh french Speak I speak Spanish. French and Spanish,
3: but I wouldn't say it's really great. It's really great. <laughs> yeah. My Spanish is better than my French, but uh, you're a musician. Yeah,
0: you've been a a, a law a lawmaker. Yeah, fourteen um, years at the State House. So, um, let's talk about the 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 local law. You know, you're 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 more in tune than anybody else would. I I mean, more than me. Yeah. So, w- what do you make of the current? Uh, state administration and uh, the run for government, uh, for run. governor. <laughs> tell me, tell me what's your I mean, take on it? Well,
3: I, I, I ran for governor back in '06 myself because I, I thought, you know, I could have a lot more influence in that capacity than I could as a state representative in mm-hmm. the minority party. And uh, you know, most people don't understand what that's about, but if, uh, if one, the, the party that controls the legislature, in other words, it has 51 votes at the state house is the party that gets to call all the shots, right? And, and it's not a very equitable system because mm-hmm. each one, each person up there represents roughly thirty thousand people, but they don't have the same influence.
4: Uh-huh.
3: And I was getting tired of being a Democrat for fourteen years uh, in a Republican House. I, yeah. The benefit of that was I really learned how to work with Republicans. I mean, I got a lot done yeah. working with Republicans. I mean, for example, um, the uh, skate park. You know that 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 was a, that was a bill that I introduced in the House. Uh, but I could; it wouldn't have gone anywhere without the uh, the help of um, Republicans. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and back then, there, there were there were skateboarders who were being arrested, and we realized we got to do something to help these kids out. Yeah. So we we, we changed the law to this sounds counter counterintuitive, but we we declared skateboarding to be a hazardous activity, and what that did was it freed cities from the liability.
0: Okay. The risk. I see. The
3: skateboarder hurts themselves. Okay, now they're on their own. Right. Their parents can
0: take care of it. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. The city
3: isn't stuck with a lawsuit. Yes. And so once that passed, and and interestingly, to pass it, I had to fight Democrats.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, the trial
3: lawyers were against it. But, you know, I built these bridges with Republicans, and we were able to get it passed. And I can tell you story after story of that. That was the benefit of being in the minority. You have to learn how to work with the other party. Uh The liability of being in the minority is you can't do big things. You can tackle... Smaller issues, which might have significant I- implications. I mean, it's so exciting to see how the skate park situation is panned out here. You know, we never saw that coming back when we worked on that legislation. So it's pretty exciting. But, you know, I mean, I, I, if I was a Democrat right now at the State House, I couldn't do anything on climate change. Republicans aren't going to take that. Right. You know, uh, And it seems like it's – I'm, I'm, I can't tell you if sure, but my impression is that it, it has become much more partisan, that a minority party member has even much less – Ability to influence the process—it's
0: political now. The, it's always the been climate political, talk, but it's right?
3: more so. Oh, you mean climate?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, and that's yeah. That <laughs> there, there were points when those things weren't political. For example, back in the '80s, when Democrats controlled the House and Senate, Governor Branson was Republican. He signed several pieces of legislation that were very progressive on the environment. Uh-huh. That was before. The environment became so politicized, right, right. But you know right. what? You know, really, what's being any anytime something becomes politicized, what it's really all about is some special interest with money. Yes, it doesn't want to see change, and so they they throw money at it, they throw arguments, and and um, they throw talking points at it, and they, they they poison your mind on it. You know.
0: So, lem- so you said you you um. I guess let me be more direct. Like, what is, what do you think about a third party? Uh, you know run like the libertarian or the green party or you know does that help are you for that are you are uh, you against that or does that help the 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 situation
3: the, the our system is unfortunately designed for two parties uh, it is winner take all, and uh, the only option is for that, that you know, i mean really only only two parties can play in that scenario uh-huh. but what has to happen is one of the two parties, or preferably both of the two parties, need to be replaced? Uh-huh. They're, they're they're both well. I mean, the Republican Party is just nuts; <laughs> it's just off <laughs> the <all laughs> nuts. And the Democratic Party has become the party of the elite and the party of timid people who don't want to take any chances on doing doing what needs to be done. I mean, compare the remember the Democrats controlled Iowa. That means governor, House, and Senate uh-huh. in 07 through twenty eleven. 2010. Sorry, uh-huh. 07 through 2010. And what did they do with it? Not anything, or very little. I would say, in some cases, on issues like, for example, regulating hog confinements, where people thought, "Oh, Democrats at last, we're going to get some action yeah. on these big corporate fi- confinements that are foil- you know spoiling our water and our air." Democrats did nothing. In fact, they arguably made the matter worse. Um, so, but compare compare when Democrats back in the uh, 60s, I believe, held the trifecta. With Governor Hughes, they did a lot of things. They did prison reform. They get rid of the death penalty. They um, community colleges. What else? Ju- um, in, in, in Improve the way the judges were um, elected or appointed. Rather, they did they did crazy good stuff. Yeah. And so, why why has the Democratic Party become so anemic? Well, I think it's, I think the problem is it's become tied to special interest money, and uh, it's become the it's become so focused on the party of the establishment that it's w- unwilling to take risks unwilling to so
0: challenge. the the so the, the you think that the republican party does more for their conti- constituents
3: absolutely not no uh, they're just better at pretending they do
0: okay <laughs> better marketing
3: better marketing yeah and again and they've got and they've got this incredibly powerful um uh, tool called talk radio uh-huh present company excluded you know we're 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 the voices on the outside saying, "Hey, wait a minute, this ain't this ain't working real well." Uh-huh. But when you look at the big stations, uh, I mean, you look at how there's a really excellent book, and I've had um, I've had the author on my program a couple of times, Brian Rosenwald, uh, "Talk Radio's America: um, How an Industry Took Over a Political Party That Took Over the U.S." Oh. It's a great book, and it's oh. very instructive, and it just it just talks about how. And some some of these things that happened were kind of just weird accidental stuff, but a lot of it was just market based. Uh-huh. Um, there were openings, and so these talking heads like Rush Limbaugh filled that void, yeah. created uh, a dialogue with the general public. A lot of it more based on entertainment than really you know, genuine political concerns, and much of it um, much of it not even true. Yeah, <laughs> but they were very effective. At getting this message out there, and so for thirty plus years now, Americans have had this this drumbeat of rhetoric that is out of touch with the real need. But you know, the, the problem is it gets. It became people, influential, like very influential, yeah, yeah, yeah. hugely influential, more influential than anything else. And you know, so I, I fault the Democrats for being anemic, <laughs> right, <laughs> and for selling out. But I, I got to say, the uh, it is the capacity that the right wing has gained through the consolidation of a perspective within commercial radio that has really uh, changed the direction of this country, and not for the better. And again, to how, why did that happen? Well, under, under Ronald Reagan, the Fairness Doctrine was abolished. In other words, you no longer had to have balance on the airwaves. And then in 1996, the unholy alliance of Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton managed to pass the Telecommunications Act, which said that a big company like Clear Channel, now iHeartRadio uh-huh. or Cumulus, could suddenly own multiple stations in one market. Uh-huh. So suddenly you've got this monopoly, this media monopoly within any given radio market. You know, so it's um, I don't know why Democrats don't campaign on that. So for
0: <laughs> for full, full this for full disclosure, like, what do you fall on the on the political party? Do you consider yourself a? Uh, dependent. I'm a
4: registered
3: uh, independent who will <laughs> generally change my registration to Democrat for a caucus or a primary. Although I once changed my registration to Republican. Uh, Obama was uh, running on it for a second term. There was really nothing interesting happening on the Democratic side. Uh-huh. And we at least had a candidate on the Republican side who was anti uh, anti-interventionary. Romney I mean, anti-war? No, not Romney. Um, <laughs> Paul. Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Who no, I don't okay, agree Ron with Paul. on everything, but he ha- he's good on, on battling the drug war. He was, he was against eminent domain for pipelines. He was against uh, starting any more wars overseas. So I said, okay. oh, no, I'm going to go to the Republican caucus and support that guy. Okay. That was one of the most entertaining nights of my life. Really? Yeah. I mean, everybody there knew I was formerly a Democratic lawmaker. They didn't have a secretary. They had a caucus chair who was from Wisconsin, interestingly. They had no secretary. So I said, well, I'll do it. <laughs> and, they, and they said, "Okay, you can do it." Uh, and so I got to count their votes and their money, and they watched me like a hawk. Huh. Um, but it was, it was, <laughs> but it was, it was good little good bridge building. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I did it all fair, and I was, I was very, very meticulous. Ron Paul did win that caucus, and that was the only caucus, by the way, only Republican caucus in the state that passed a pro marriage equality resolution. I tell you, I had more fun that night than I have any other night in my life. So, you,
0: you're you're <laughs> voter like you're the voter or the person that's involved. Like everyone should, right? Sh- nobody should always tie atti- tie themselves to one party. Like you should pay attention to the issues. Or is now becoming, oh, I, I think, too I hard think, to do that because the Republicans should. are pretty.
3: Yeah, I, I think you should tie yourself to a party if you can find a party you like. And back to your main, I I kind of went off on a tangent here. I'm mean, there, but the um, we have a two party system that needs to change. Uh huh. Unfortunately, I don't think the Libertarians or the Greens or any other party is doing it the right way. You can't Uh just run a candidate for governor, president, U.S. Senate. What happened to the foundation? Where's the base? Right. Where's the grunt work that goes into building that party from the ground up? Uh That hasn't happened.
0: Right. Are you surprised that uh, President Biden only has 35% approval uh, here in Iowa? No. (laughs) No. And I'm are, are, not surprised. Are, you, are you are you do you agree with that
3: uh you know overall I, w- I would say I would if I was asked that question by a pollster I would say approve barely okay okay <laughs> I mean I, I think uh he's um, he's got a tough deck a, a cuff a t- he's been dealt a tough hand uh-huh. uh, and there are things I wish he would be doing differently despite that but overall and again he's doing better than I thought he would I didn't vote for him. I didn't caucus for him. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, I don't know whether you saw the video that came out just before the caucuses a couple of years ago, but I approached him about climate change, and he, he literally kind of pushed me and said, go vote for somebody else. Oh, well, that was you? I by think by I remember. I th- I th- look, oh, look, you got
0: to go vote okay. for somebody else. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh. So is he, <laughs> Is he? I think I remember that. Do you yeah. remember that, Chris? Yeah, the, that video did go uh, it went viral. <laughs> yes, but it the did. F-
3: unfortunately, went viral and people <laughs> paid attention to
0: his toughness.
3: Yeah, instead of I want, I want you to pay attention to the climate conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's that was my concern that Biden was not going to be as strong on climate as he needs to be, and that's been the case. Yeah, he's kind of you know playing both sides of that, but some of what he's doing is good. Yeah, so I guess uh, I mean, uh, you know, when I was a legislator, I would vote for a bill if I supported 50% of it or more. Uh And that's why if I was asked by a pollster, do I support Biden? Well, I support a little bit more than 50% of what he's doing, so yes.
0: (laughs) I see, I see. So what do you make of, uh, I mean, this Ukraine-Russia thing happening, this is all special interest, right? This is, I guess, in my ignorant opinion. It's it's a complex. It's a military complex that's wanting to create another war, so then rich people make money. Is is it is, is it's not that simple, is it? No, I don't
3: think it is. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> a lot of things at play here, and there's probably things that I'm not, I'm not grasping as well. But mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, clearly we have, we have a horrible man in, lo- in charge of Russia right now. I mean, Putin is just a, he's a tyrant. Mm. He's an autocrat. He's uh, he's ruthless. Um, the Russian people have tried some, tried to get rid of him. That hasn't happened yet. Um, maybe he's pushed his hand too far now and that will happen. I mean, to see the protests in Russia where it's not safe to protest. I mean, you can get in trouble protesting here. I speak from experience, uh-huh. you know, and if you're a brown or black American, you've got a, you stand a worse chance of getting you know, punished hard here if you protest. But uh-huh. in Russia, those are some brave people. What, right. Close to 10,000 now who've been arrested. Oh wow! You know, uh, but, but you know? So I, I mean, what Putin? Putin needs to be resisted. Ukraine. I, I'm not. I'm not a pacifist, but I, you know, I don't like war at all. I can't think of a, a, war that I would feel justified in defending since World War II. But, gosh, this might come close. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how else you stand up to Putin right now in Russia. I mean, the sanctions good, but and I hope Biden takes the next step on sanctions, and says no to Russian oil. That's, that's, what's, um, that's the lifeblood of the Russian economy and the Russian military. And I know it would hurt the Russian people if the sanctions really were to be crafted in a way that they hit as hard as they need to. And those sanctions would also hurt us. We're already seeing, what, 4 or $5 gas at the pump? Uh-huh. You know, we should, it's hard to say this to people, but yeah, we should be okay with that because it's a sacrifice we've got to be made to stop this tyrant who knows where he's going what he's gonna do next? And yeah, w- I, kn- I know you're right that that there are military contractors who are who are going to make money on this. And right. That's it's
4: unfortunate.
0: Uh-huh. So what is what is Putin's like thing then? Because I I hear that the 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 military is not necessarily it can't compare to the United States military, does it? His military?
3: Uh, I don't think so. I don't have enough knowledge of that. And
0: the economy's taking a big hit. He's getting sanctions. So what what's his angle here? It's uh, Besides making just himself rich? No, I mean,
3: I, th- I think the one, the, the, the one, the one point that, that I think, I think it's really important that the U.S. should also look at itself and say, okay, did we do anything that might have exacerbated tensions, that might have helped cause this problem? And I think the answer is yes. We should not be pushing NATO as hard as we've been pushing it. Um, I mean, there, there are agreements we made with Mikhail Gorbachev back in the 80s uh, when the Soviet Union disbanded that we didn't do a very good job of keeping up with. and That might uh-huh. have changed. Uh, that, might have, uh, that would have definitely, I think, have affected the current situation. I mean, to me, NATO is a thing of the past. It made sense, maybe, <laughs> during the Cold War. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization. I don't know why countries that are 1,500 miles from the Atlantic uh, should be a part of such an organization. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why it needs to continue to be pushed. Yeah. I, I I don't get I don't get that maybe and you could we could probably have a really good conversation on that from both sides but pushing Ukraine to be part of NATO is part of the problem and I think I think the US and its NATO allies need to recognize that and to push you know to to, to take that off the table again at this point you know Putin uh he, he may well have inv- invaded Ukraine anyhow because he's a madman, right? right. He's, he's a very t- he's a very brilliant tactician, but he's evil. He's <laughs> so yeah. evil, and I don't think he'll stop in Ukraine. I mean, he well, he he already annexed Crimea, Crimea right, into Russia. That was right. That was part of Ukraine. Still should be part of Ukraine. He annexed the uh, Donbass. Well, he he uh, helped stage insurgencies in the Donbas region. So you know, you've got
0: men th- like this tend to like go mad, right? Like they tend to just go.
3: I don't know if you go if, if mad. I mean, I like guess as,
0: as far as like just keep going until yeah. they take over or they, they 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 feel like they're gonna take over, kind of like Hitler. Yeah, like will they just keep expanding? Yeah, they mean, just become.
2: Uh,
3: there's unfortunately lots of examples in history of similarly deranged people: <laughs> uh, Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin. You know, I uh, mean, and and then a lot of Amin, I mean, I mean. You know, dictators from smaller countries that did horrible things in at a smaller scale, but uh-huh. still equally condemnable. But um,
0: what do you make of uh, some of the Republican Party supporting, or at least not?
3: I'm not sure if uh, if there. Are, I mean, I think the rhetoric we <coughs> heard from, you know, Tucker Carlson, for example, even Trump is. It's, it's it's hedged at best in terms of whether it is supportive of Putin or not. I think mostly, I think Fox News exists to bash any Democrat <laughs> in the White House. <laughs> you know, and so they're always going to blame everything on Biden. Gas prices, Biden's fault. Economy takes a, takes a tumble, Biden's fault. Russia invades Ukraine, Biden's fault. You know, <laughs> so it gets kind of tedious, but that's their mojo. And so... If they have to, in, in saying Biden's fault, they have to say, um, well, Putin did a brilliant strategic move, you know, they'll say that. But I think, I, I suspect we're going to hear less and less of that because it's becoming clear now that the atrocities being committed in Ukraine uh, are horrendous. Right. And I'm, I'm almost willing to believe that perhaps uh, China might also start backing away from being close with Russia. Oh, I see. We'll see. I don't know. I, uh, Putin may have totally overplayed his hand here. And he may be, um, maybe this is the straw that might break his political back. My biggest concern, mm-hmm. the guy's got a bunch of nuclear weapons at his fingertip.
0: Right. You he could, like, go out swinging.
3: <laughs> well, he, he could go out <laughs> swinging, sure. And that's, and he would take the rest of us out with him. I mean, right. that, that, you know, that doesn't get enough conversation. That's a real concern. And I know that, I suspect that's one reason the Biden response has been um, somewhat reserved. And I respect that because... You know, you can't risk a nuclear holocaust. Uh. And um, we've got, you know, I'm not sure that that Putin is literally a madman, meaning that he would do something as mad as uh, launching a nuclear, you know, war. But I don't know. You know, you back, you back
2: in. It's Anfield
0: happened in though, right? It's happened. I mean, the United States bombed Hiroshima.
3: Right, and that was terrible. And then we bombed Nagasaki, 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 three days later on August ninth, nineteen forty-five. you Gulf don't have to be a
0: madman to do it. I mean, no, uh, the no. who and was that? Uh, who who did that? that, that? Was Hoover. Hoover. Yeah. Um. Or who was it? No, no, Truman. Yeah. Sorry, Truman, Truman. Truman. Yeah. I, I
3: don't know Truman. Yes. Uh, Hoover was uh, a different war. <laughs> so you don't have
0: to be a madman to like launch right. that stuff.
3: Right. But um, and and that those. I I've 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 always criticized those decisions because I don't think you would have had to uh, I don't I think you could have ended I think Jap- Japan would have surra- if you said e- Emperor Hirohito come see what we can do to this little island uh-huh. and you blow it up and it's horrible in itself and you say we 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 just wanted to show you what we could do to your cities uh-huh. you would think that he would say okay I've had enough Right, right, right. So why why do we not do that? I think I think, and this is a horrible thought, but I think that there were those in the military that wanted to see how that thing played out on a human population, yeah. which is horrible. But I think that's true, and yes, there is an element of madness to that. But the ultimate madness would be to destroy the entire planet, right?
0: Because you're not getting your way, right? <laughs> what do you make, uh, or what chances do you give, Didra Desjardins against? On Reynolds. a
3: scale of one to ten zero, okay. Sorry, I'm <laughs> just gonna play. I, I'm really <laughs> candid, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I think she has absolutely no chance against the Reynolds.
0: So the polls are not <laughs> sorry, you don't think there's a uh, I think she was only but uh, trailing by eight yeah. percent uh, till now. Why, why, such, what's why, so, so low?
3: Well, I mean, look at the look at the political lay of the land in Iowa right now. Um, you know, unfortunately, no matter you know, how, how people might feel about Didre de or anyone else on issues, the Democratic uh, tag is not a good one right now. Uh-huh. Uh, people have, I mean, just look at the lay of the land. I, I, I mean, I've been, I've been in Iowa since 1984. It's never been like this. It's always been much more politically balanced. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom Miller and Mike Fitzgerald get beat. The only Democrat that I think I feel really secure about is Rob Sand. Because he's a different kind of Democrat. He's, he's, he's not the, he, he comes off very different than uh-huh. most Democrats, and that's to his credit and to his favor. Now, I would say that there are congressional districts that are close enough. The, I mean, Des Moines, Southeast Iowa, Northeast Iowa, they're all close enough, and you've got strong candidates in each of them. The Democrats might win. They might hang on to AXE's seat. They might win one of the other two seats. I mean, again, uh, Miller-Meeks only won that. <laughs> That uh, that Southeast Iowa District by six votes. So so Didra
0: couldn't couldn't do it just with like Central Iowa. She needs the rural. Who a- actually? Uh, no, uh, Deidre to. Oh to yeah,
3: For, yeah. And in Didra Jazier's De case, I just don't see. I mean, again, the problem is when when I was a the legislator, there were uh, Democrats represented the, the, the the working class towns like Burlington. Uh huh. Actually, Burlington is still represented by a Democrat who's been there forever. Uh, But Fort Dodge, um, Council Bluffs, Sioux City, uh, uh, Clinton, you know, all these places, Dubuque, Dubuque still is Democratic. But, you you know, all these places had Democratic legislators. There were lots of rural areas that had Democratic legislators. I I mean, counties all across the state where you had Democrats, you don't have that anymore. Democrats have lost both the rural vote and the blue-collar working-class towns.
0: What do you think they need to do? What do you think the Democrats need to do to get back to, you know, having...
3: Distance yourself from the political elite, the the, the economic elite. Uh, distance yourself from the the woke left that want to talk more about canceling people they don't like than working with them. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm You know, and, and that to me is not... I'm not saying that we craft a, quote, moderate. I think the terms liberal, conservative, and moderate are just all out of whack. I think what we need to be talking about, is um is economic populism uh, how do we begin to fight for an agenda that is going to positively impact the lives of most people rural and urban and that involves involves questions about wages and job conditions and security it involves health care it also involves the environment it involves being willing to lay out an agenda that might be a, might be opposed to what the special interests want I mean, Take this pipe, these CO2 pipelines, these carbon pipelines. I mean, there's, you know, this should be a no-brainer for Democrats. You got, you got, you got the most powerful Republicans, Republicans in the state who want to build these pipelines, uh-huh. and you've got landowners and farmers in Republican counties dead set against it. I mean, there are some that have signed that are that are okay with it, but you know, if look at Summit, Summit wants to build 703 miles of pipe across Iowa. If you look at all the land they're targeting, less than 2% of the landowners they need have signed on. That says volumes. <laughs> and what are Democrats doing? Nothing. The Democratic leader in the House comes out saying, well, I don't know. I can see both sides. It kind of depends. That is so unhelpful. Uh-huh. I mean, this is a chance. One, I'll say one reason I think Bernie Sanders did really well in the primary against uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. He came out strong against the Dakota Access Pipeline, not just on climate, not just on issues of its threat to water, but also on the, on the use of eminent domain. That's one place where Bernie Sanders and Ron Paul agreed eminent domain should not be used by a private company. Democrats have a huge opportunity now on this CO2 pipeline issue. They're, they're, they're ignoring it,
2: they're Ber- totally ignoring
0: it. Bernie won the caucus here, right? Uh, this no, past he, uh,
3: <laughs> he basically tied both times. Uh, although you could have some conversations about whether-
0: So Bernie's approach is not recommendable? For like Dred or any other Democrat, well, I think is he is. two too leftists.
3: Uh, I I think there's some elements, I, and I and I was my 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 primary candidate my my main candidate in the caucuses was Tom Steyer because he had the strongest platform on climate change. You know, I think um I think Sanders could well, I, I Sanders is going to be who he's going to be, and he's a great guy and and a great spokesperson for some important issues. Uh-huh. But I think um a candidate you know, for, hire, for, for statewide office or even a candidate for the legislature here should be focused on economic populism and those related issues I talked about. And that's a big part of what Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, for that matter, focused on. Uh-huh. And um, I, I think if you do that, you know, you don't have to talk about free college for everybody. You don't have to talk about, you know, um, too big of a shift in the tax burden, although I think obviously some shift is needed. Yeah, the rich should definitely be paying more. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, you can focus on those elements of the of the populist campaigns that Warren and Sanders and some others ran. I think that would be a winning conversation. But again, part of the problem is the Democratic brand is tarnished pretty badly.
0: And you call it uh, anemic. Hmm? You you call it anemic, anemic like yes. anemic, like it. it, it they're not choosing aside they're too like here and there is that what you mean uh, uh, instead of just going yeah. full front through some, some issues
3: yeah well I mean again look at the back to the pipeline the CO2 pipelines uh, you've got um, <laughs> here's one one place I disagree with uh, President Biden on he wants to increase the uh, tax credit that is making those pipelines possible but the companies who want these pipelines Valero, really they care about climate change Bruce Rastetter, the, who um, Politico once called the, the political kingmaker in Iowa, and there's some truth to that, Branstad <laughs> is, is on the staff of Summit. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, these, these people don't care about climate change. Oh, and then what else? BlackRock. BlackRock is helping to fund the Navigator Pipeline. Come on. I mean, how, how – these companies aren't doing this because they care about the environment.
2: You
4: know? uh-huh.
3: They're doing it because they see – an opportunity. They're going to latch onto this carbon sequestration um, cash cow uh, and actually probably make the climate problem worse because all indications are they're going to use that CO2 to do enhanced oil recovery in both North Dakota and Illinois. How cynical is that? But you know, Democrats, instead of calling that out, they're, they're, they're buying the line that this is about, you know, advancing our cause on climate change. And also... The other problem for the Democrats is they don't want to offend the building trades because there Mm -hmm. are, there are unions or a couple unions that benefit from the temporary jobs. Uh And I get that. I respect the (laughs) fact that, you know, they, all all the jobs in the building trades industry are going to be temporary. I get that, but let them build good things like schools. (laughs) Um, you know, civic centers, uh, parks, skateboard parks, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, let them build things, houses, you know, let them build things that, that are going to help people, lift people up, not tear them down. Build things where you're not going to have to take a farmer's land. Right. Put a permanently, put a, put a pipeline to the ground permanently, you know. But Democrats aren't willing to, to have that conversation. They aren't willing to challenge the building trades, uh-huh. which is a shame because I think you've got a lot of other unions out there that would probably be on the same side as me on this. I see. Uh, but, you know, There's a structure within labor where, you know, a a couple, you know, a few unions can have a lot of
0: clout. So, if you say that Reynolds has this, she doesn't have to do much. She's gonna get uh, reelected. So, does that mean that uh, there's a big uh, Republican kind of uh, not wave, but like they're holding strong for Mm. the twenty twenty four? Is that the next election? Twenty twenty the presidential
3: 2022 is the next. Statewide election, right? But the 24. the twenty
0: the twenty the presidential election. Yeah. Do you think Trump will run again?
3: I do. Um, I don't know if he'll prevail. Uh, one thing, I mean,
0: even uh, with all the like the like, the legalities, like there's some legal issues that he's that's still. Uh, the,
3: that's the one. He he if uh, if his legal troubles get to the point where even he can't um, you know weave his way around them, then yeah, he he may not be able to run. If, they, if his legal troubles actually prevent him from running, <laughs> uh-huh. that's about all that's going to stop him. I think, you know, he still he wants to. He's, um, you know, he's like like Putin. Putin was out of power for a bit in the in in, in Russia, and he wanted back in. Oh. Trump wants back in. Uh, Trump does not want to be. I mean, he's having he's having a great time. I suspect right now because he's not having. He doesn't have to work as hard, right? Uh, and he gets to um, continue to say whatever he wants, and he gets to have adoring fans.
0: <laughs> is there but some republican that are <coughs> trying to like shift away oh, yeah. or or
3: yeah and they and then of course they get smacked down uh, go see liz, liz cheney for details you know uh. but um <laughs> <laughs> but i mean whoever thought that <coughs> the daughter of dick cheney would be the progressive voice within the republican
0: party <laughs> yeah. is there another uh candidate besides trump that the republican <coughs> can get behind
3: oh yeah and there's a lot of them that have been testing the waters you know see where they go but i don't think i think none of them will will if trump decides to go in it'll be a one person primary I don't yeah I, I don't yeah think yeah, yeah yeah i don't think i don't think biden will have a challenge i think biden will probably run again you know it's too hard to it's too early to say for sure yeah <laughs> um, but i think i think uh you know to iowa i mean 2022 is not going to look good for democrats i know that there are democrats who are saying giving reasons why that'll be different but I don't it see doesn't It doesn't
0: feel like it. No, right? I don't There's see
3: no it. uh I, I and I and I will not be surprised to see uh, Mike Fitzgerald lose and I like Mike. I will not be surprised to see Tom Miller lose. I think again I I
0: think What do, what do you what kind of work do you think uh Kim is doing? Kim Reynolds, Governor Kim Reynolds. Oh,
3: well, I don't think she's doing very good at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think again the, the Democratic Party ideally should be replaced. In lieu of that, uh it should Try to it. It should it should really start base building uh, at the uh, block level, at the precinct level, and not just in urban Iowa. Uh-huh. Um, it needs to get back to its roots. And here's the again, great opportunity. Republicans have refused to con- to to say you can't use eminent domain to take private land, to take to take a farmer's land, a landowner's property to build a pipeline. I mean that is hugely unpopular. It's so unpopular that nearly 25 counties across the state the the, the the governing authorities in those counties those the boards of Supervisors have come up with statements um, opposing the pipeline
0: so so that never happens. The Democrats should be all over this you should be
3: they should be on this like flies on you know what uh-huh.
2: <laughs>
0: and they are not they they're not because are they afraid to be labeled as uh, uh, leftist you know climate you know tree huggers you know because da, 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 that would be that would be the, 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 the attack from, no, from it, it, Republicans it, wouldn't it like wouldn't you
3: know? it, I, I mean which Republicans I mean a lot of Republicans are looking a lot of rank-and-file Republican voters farmers landowners boards of supervisors they're looking for a champion on this issue uh. they're looking for someone to stand up for them and say no now even if you're not on board with with uh, climate change you need to call I mean this is, this is not a climate solution, yes. by the way.
0: Yeah, and this is not... Uh, you can just tie it up <coughs> as then, like, liberty, right? Like, you're, you, you're, you own issue. your land. It's, it's a justice issue. Yeah.
3: It's a property rights issue, and it's a, it's, a, it's a quality of life issue. I mean, you have a pipeline running through your land, uh, or in some cases, if you... From Des Moines all the way down to southeast Iowa, a lot of those landowners, if this goes through, they're going to have two pipelines running across their land. One transporting carbon dioxide... Another transporting oil. Huh. What does that do to your property value? Yeah. I well, mean, we already know what it does to your crop yields. Look at some of the maps that have come out from farmers who've done um, uh, satellite imagery of their crop yields. You know, normally you, you can see the areas of their fields where they're getting normal yields. And then you look at this this red band running across their land. That's where the pipeline is. Huh. And those yields are are pathetic. And that's four years after the Dakota Access Pipeline went in. Mm. and the carbon pipeline is not going to be any different again it heats the soil but it also it's really hard you you, you can't separate they, <laughs> they talk about well, we're going to separate the topsoil from the subsoil you can't do that <laughs> that's not that's much easier said than done
0: so you said earlier that uh, uh they sh- uh the democrats should look uh, uh to the basics right like go to the local uh maybe i'm wrong maybe i heard you wrong but like but to the local elections, the basic stuff. Is that what you said? Uh, is
3: yeah, and, and, and the Democrats should stop. Um, I mean, they should never have been hammering on COVID the way they were. I mean, th- that's a legitimate conversation, but there's no way that COVID should have been, become a partisan issue. They should stop trying to cancel, cult- cancel culture people. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, should, they should move beyond the, uh, the hot-button social stuff um, and talk about economic populism. Uh-huh. How do we make people's lives better? That's, um, so that, to me, is a winning message. And, you know, Republicans talk about that, but the delivery is pathetic. The delivery is contrary to what they're talking about. Yeah, The opening is huge. I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, I say this is what Democrats should do. I don't see it happening. I mean, I wrote a letter to uh, about two dozen Democratic lawmakers last year. Why aren't you guys jumping on the pipeline stuff? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hurt from one on the wrong side of it. <laughs> so uh. I, don't <laughs> I, I don't see it happening. And I see Democrats losing
0: because politicians are probably getting money from these from these companies, right?
3: Well, there's several things. If, if yeah, there's there's a lot of money in politics now that um, that uh, wasn't there before, uh-huh. you know, um, on the Democratic side at least. And uh, now you've got um, you've got again one of the unions uh-huh. that bought into the pipeline expansion problem. And uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> so one one quick thing that I wanted to get your input. These are our uh, technicians, All our right. replacement technicians. Right. Um, I wanted to get your, your take on this. So there was this local city council run, um, and her first name is escaping me, but her last name is Shoemaker. Indira Shoemaker. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Indira. Indira. Indira Shoemaker. Mm-hmm. She ran with a abolish the police mm-hmm. kind of, you know, aggressive uh you know abolish right and she won what does did <coughs> that say anything to you um yeah it
3: says she had a weak opponent <laughs> okay and I, I like bill gray i just don't think he had a strong campaign uh-huh um i don't think that's a very good message Um, it's it's a it's a better message in a democratic town like des moines mm. on the northwest side right uh, where you're going to get some resonance with that uh-huh. probably people who supported her for other reasons but I think uh, abolishing the police is um, possibly one of the worst messages you can come up with. And that, that that's not to say that the police aren't, um, that there's a lot of problems with our police force.
4: Uh-huh.
3: I, I mean, I, I represented the most uh, racially diverse district in the state of Iowa for 14 years. And there's absolutely no doubt. I mean, my constituents were often uh, in trouble with the police for, I mean, for reasons that, that not. And I had one friend. He worked at Mercy. He um Janitorial work. I was walking home at two in the morning. He would get stopped. What are you doing? And he was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking home from work. <laughs> and the police would stop him. You yeah. Know? And, and I, I can't tell you I mean, how many times I heard stories like that. So, are there, are th- is there a racial bias within our police system? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Do the police play an important role in our community? Absolutely. Uh-huh. So, abolishing the police department is not the way to go. Um, there are major reforms that need to happen. So Let's talk about that. Let's right. talk about a you know a, an approach that makes some sense. So y-
0: it scares people away. Yeah, this, because doesn't
3: mean it doesn't. It's not. It's not a sensible solution. It's not a rational solution.
0: There's an argument for that, though, right? Like there's arguments uh, of that. There's funds that are going to police departments that are could be used in more. Uh, yeah, like they could be reallocated. In better ways that will improve community safety,
3: probably, and, and people should have some input into that. City councils, as our elected representatives, should have some input into that for sure. Um, but the message
0: your pro, your pro, the problem your problem is with the message, not with the actual.
3: Oh well, with the me- <laughs> the message, but also with the outcome. Okay, what does that you know? What, what does that lead to? How how do when I have a neighbor who um uh. I a, this, this actually happened. When I have um, a guy on meth barge through my, be- my back door at 7 in the morning and run around the inside of my house telling me that people are <laughs> trying to kill him and okay. he's pointing onto my table to where the people are hiding who are trying to kill him. Uh, you who know, are you going to call? I, who am I going to call? <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to call Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> I'm going to call the police. Yeah, and, the, and, and we did, and they were really, really helpful. And you know what? That guy got treatment. A year
0: later, I ran in, ran into him he was in tears cuz he felt so
3: bad about what happened.
0: Oh wow. So you know, I mean the There is a reimagining though, right? Like w- I think I think some of the uh so I've spoken with some some you know uh what do you call um organizers and um and of of to be more clear from the Black Lives Matter or Black Black Liberation Movement mm-hmm. where Which I uh, support? <coughs> <coughs> Where they say, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, basically, it's like a reimagining of of, of public safety. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just curious about what was your take, because I didn't give her, because I saw her platform, I guess, and and I didn't think she was gonna win, but mm. she did. So I guess I was surprised. But you know, you make a good point. Maybe the opponent was yeah, weak.
3: I, I wasn't surprised. You know, I mean, I, and I like, I, you know, I like Bill Bill Gray a lot, but um, I, th- I think he have the strongest campaign uh-huh, uh-huh. i mean you look you know josh was also on the uh ballot josh mandelbaum and connie Bozen and they did well And they had they had arguably uh, opponents that were just as strong um but i, I think they had they worked harder yeah <laughs> better message and uh, and uh you know it worked but i i think um you know back to our new city councilwoman i think um Saying that we need to vote out all these MFers. Uh It's not helpful. Uh When I got elected, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder too, but not that bad. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I tried to work with people. Yeah. You got to work with people. Yeah. And it's actually a lot easier on a city council because there's only seven of you. Uh I had to work with 150 people,
0: you know. So. You should have her on your show.
3: Uh, I've invited her. She's declined. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, I'll I'll uh I was going to talk to her for her but you know we we couldn't make uh we couldn't make it work and she obviously had a you know she won so um I'm happy for her d- because the fact that you know when you're an underdog you don't think you're gonna win and you win I mean that's gotta feel pretty good so i hope that I'm sure she's getting experience and she's knowing how to navigate stuff I and hope
3: so because. Uh you d- you don't you don't you don't um, you don't deliver anything for your constituents if you call your colleagues MFers. <laughs>
0: that's yeah,
3: that's not that's not very helpful.
0: <laughs> I see. So you think she just needs to kind of? Uh,
3: well, and hold, I've also heard that hold. she doesn't. I mean, she hasn't responded to calls of me and my wife made to her to talk, and I've heard that from other people as well. That's not a good start. Yeah, 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 not a good start. So I mean, and again, I will say this: I think the city council's response uh-huh. hasn't been that helpful either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that came out it came up looking like it was targeted to silencing her and that's that was that was a bad message
0: yeah so I, I think the city council has a lot of work to do especially those um councilmen that have been or council and council women that have been there you know reelected over and over and over again i think uh uh you know shutting out people and 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 not yeah. permitting them. Like, yeah. I think that upset a lot of people, and yeah, I, she's probably... I, I,
3: you need to give people a chance to speak. Right, sure. right,
0: right, right. She's got. She, I think she's seen it as like, I'm in here, so let's make some noise while I'm here.
3: <laughs> yeah, Maybe. make some noise. Do that. I mean, I, I, you know, when I got elected, I made a lot of noise, too. Yeah. Um, sometimes it was poorly calculated noise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I did, over time, learn two things. One, you got to work with other people. And two, you got to focus. You can't take on everything. And when you can't take on everything, then you've got to you've got to defer to someone else. Like for example, I you know there were, uh, I didn't I, there was a couple times where I put a focus on education, but I had I focused on a lot of on other things. Uh-huh. Where people would come to me, hey, what do you think about this bill? I know you work on this a lot. What do you think? Uh-huh. And so you know if you if you had the expertise on a certain issue,
2: you get. You know,
3: you, you can get 20, 30, 40 other people to vote with you on it. Right, right, right. You know, and I would, and I would do that too on certain other things. Say, okay, what do you think about this bill, so and so? And they would tell me, and I, I take their word for it. Yeah, you have to. That that requires time and effort to build relationships. It requires trust. You can't just um, you can't become an expert on everything. And so, you don't start that process by by, by name, calling all your colleagues' names. <laughs> you
0: <know. laughs> what is a misconception of? at Fallon, like from people that have been listening to your we'll to program, and uh, people like from the outside that see you, you know, uh, talk about the, the issues and, and have guests over. Uh, have
3: to ask you have to ask others what they're
2: misconceived.
0: <laughs> do, do, they do, do people think Do people think that you're more uh, uh, left? Do people think that you're like down the middle? Depends or who you ask. It depends on who you who you ask, huh?
3: I, I I I know that I've made plenty of mistakes, and I try to I try to learn from them, and then go on to make new mistakes from different mistakes. <laughs> Mix it up. Yes. Don't don't, don't just not just keep <laughs> making <laughs> the same mistake. You know. Mix it up a yeah, little. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. One last question. What would you say to? I mean, you're 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 a very educated voter. You would say I would I would say that. I mean, you look at the issue. You you have the history. You know the the people, and you know. So, what would you say to Iowa voters to for them to make informed decision? I mean, what what's an advice for somebody that you know? Because a big majority don't pay attention, right? Like a big majority just go and vote because they heard that you know there was riots in the streets, and oh, I'm you know, and they 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 feed off of this fear mongering from Fox News and. MSNBC, I'm sure they're not doing anybody a favor. For you know, so th- what? What do you say? W- what can we do to tell voters to well like the best get more informed?
3: To, to get a copy of my book and read that. Right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and listen to my my talk show. Yes, the uh, no, Ed Fallon <laughs> Forum. No, but seriously, I uh, I think it's r- we all have an obligation in a participatory democracy to to learn to understand what's going on and. We, we also have a responsibility to respect other opinions. Yes. We may not all agree on everything. I mean, Kathy and I, my wife and I, we don't agree on everything. Uh-huh. When we don't, I like to joke, you know, okay, so we don't agree all the time, Kathy. You can't be right all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I'm joking because I'm, you know, I, sometimes you just got differences of opinion. Yeah. And that's okay. But you have to take the time and effort to understand uh, where candidates stand on what's important to you. Yeah. You know? and, and again, l- like you know, if, if if the environment is important to you, then learn learn where the candidates for the Iowa House say stand on the environmental concerns you care about. Uh-huh. Maybe you've got a friend or a neighbor, you know, who cares deeply about some other issue, and they can advise you on where that candidate stands on, say, education. Uh huh. Just like, just as I described how it works at the state house, that can that's how it can work in a community as well. You don't have to be an expert on everything. Yeah. But. Learn, you know, go with your passion. What what are you really passionate about? Yeah. Chances are if you're a small business owner, you're passionate about, you know, business. Texas. Taxes. <laughs> yeah. If you're a teacher, you're probably passionate about education. So, you know, you can you know, you can't be an expert on everything, but but take the time to learn about where candidates stand on what's really important to you. Uh-huh. And then be sure you talk to your friends who are also engaged uh-huh. about where those candidates stand on issues important to them.
0: Yeah. Not just don't I guess, a lot of people based on their fears, don't they? Based on based sometimes
3: on, fear is very legitimate. I mean, it's okay to be afraid if
0: there's something really genuinely fearful out there, right? So, uh,
3: yeah, but, but you you, can't you just don't you operate you on fear.
0: You wouldn't advise just to vote on based on your fears, no, right? Because that's that's when people capitalize on. They capitalize if they 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 fear they're f- they're pitching fear and they're throwing what do you call it red meat, yeah, then. You can fall for and that, want,
3: too. You know, for example, there's a competitive
0: house primary where I
3: live. And one reason I like uh, Austin Bath is I, well, I know him. Um, but I also I, I like where he stands on a bunch of issues that are important to me. But I also like that he's I think he's going to be very good about reaching across the aisle uh-huh. and working with people of the other party, um, people who are from different backgrounds. I think that's really, really important. You know, you may have something different that's important to you. You know, and, and, and think about that, and assess where candidates, how candidates stand, relevant to what you know, what matters to you. Yeah.
0: One more question, not one more, but I got another one. Like, wh- which guest? You, so you've done this a lot, so which is a guest that you that, that stands out that you're like, man, I had this
3: yeah, guest, and I, it was I had just this guest in 2013 <laughs> who talked about immigration. It was just awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I've had a lot of interesting guests. Uh, Tulsi Gabber was on my program. Uh, Tom Steyer.
0: Okay, the,
3: you know, I've had, so I had several presidential candidates on my show. Okay, um, I've had uh, Robert Reich, the uh, writer and the, the uh, author and former uh, director of the. Uh, well, he worked with Clinton. What was his job? Labor Secretary. Okay, um, I don't. I've had uh, 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 um, Dolores Huerta was my very first guest. Oh, okay. You know, um, I, 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 I've had thousands of guests. Yes, you so
0: have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm
3: rattling off a few, but uh, yeah. But uh, and then you know some of my best guests are just you know mm. local people who have a have you know, really like I had a guest on last week, a woman named Jessica Wiskus, who is a landowner in eastern Iowa. Uh huh. And when she was told that the Navigator Pipeline wants to come through her farm, she started doing some research. Uh-huh. And, uh And great research, um, really really dug into it uh-huh. in a way that really revealed some of the underlying reasons why these pipelines are being
4: proposed oh wow
3: so you know i mean yeah I, i've had guests who have quote big names but i've had guests who are just uh, you know real people dealing with problems you know that are confronting them directly in ways that are i think crucial to too yeah you're right yeah so
0: she's she's taking it up on herself to educate herself
3: uh, uh, I've had I've had uh, I've had uh, quite a few um, Latino guests on my program too, and, uh, and again, well, Dolores Huerta was my very first guest. Oh wow! My very first guest back in September of nine
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, we'll finish off with that. We're gonna keep on. Uh, so you can sign up to the Ed Fallon uh, newsletter. It
3: was called the uh, Fallon Forum, and yeah, you can sign up by going to my website, fallonforum.com. Uh-huh. dot
4: com. Uh huh.
3: And yeah, if you if you want to be inspired about climate change and also read about um, the <laughs> challenges of uh, of uh, a cross-country march um it's a good read and all the proceeds go to climate march and awesome and climate work
0: thank you very much ed i really appreciate it uh you're very quick to respond and you know made it really easy for us to have you here so i really really appreciate it i've been uh from far away keep keeping up with you so i'm gonna um sign back up to the news the newsletter, and, and, uh, because you know, I'm glad that we got th- that this conversation. Because uh, I got to ask you a lot of questions, and you seem to be a very informed person. That you know, your opinion is not just based on, um, you know, what somebody tells you. You're 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 getting the information yourself from the source, and and I think that that's the way that we should all be, uh, and not just speak the opinion of others. Just and make it sound like it's our opinion. So, <laughs> so. Thank you very much again and uh we'll uh we'll see you soon we'll see you around all right thank you all right there you have it ed fallon and the fallon forum you can find him on the fallon forum he can you can keep up with him on all of his uh points of views and um uh what do you call it uh yeah he just his causes yeah his yeah. causes and he interviews people he interviews really cool people he interviewed me ah yeah I, yeah yeah we talk about it we just heard it right so, so we not, ju-
1: so far not a very good portfolio <laughs> <laughs> so so he no, interviews huh? interviews douchebags too <laughs> he interviews <laughs> douchebags <laughs>
0: what did you say chris uh he's all over he's on facebook uh we'll put the links there so people can find it but ed fallon the fallon forum um but yeah it was it was interesting when he interviewed me that was one of my first interviews um so yeah he does interviews douchebags like me Uh, yeah so um all right tell people about it share it i want to thank ed fallon making time for us and coming to uh and sit with us and and uh, uh give us his his take on all
1: issues also if you're watching this on youtube give us a like and subscribe yeah. and
0: it is one of the people that you agree or disagree with him whatever you know like i don't uh agree or disagree with all of the stuff that he's that he's saying but i respect that he has firm uh uh opinions you know and they're his not somebody else's that you use to make th- that he uses to make his you know right. which i, lo- I think w- a lot of us do that sometimes we we hear stuff in the radio and on the internet and the tv and then we say it pretending that it's our opinion but it's really somebody else's that we heard it you know? right 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 so you gotta respect that 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 the informed form an informed person and he makes his um, his opinion after he re- you know gets all and the that's information.
1: okay yeah, you know, if he's got his own opinion about things, then yeah, you don't have to agree. So, if
0: you listen to this and he said something that you don't agree with, feel free to reach out to us, and we'll. Or you, know. you can
1: keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you could just like go cry in a corner. And, no, uh, no, and everybody's fine. No, uh, just give us love, no hate. Okay. No, no
0: no you come and sit down and we can talk about it like that's the whole point you uh, know I that's guess. the whole point to to come so like this uh, this space is for everyone not just for you know the ones that we that we agree with oh
1: right 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 yeah, i didn't so. say that
0: i'm just saying that uh you can keep it to yourself.
1: yeah i mean if you're like easily triggered then just go cry in the corner you
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you everybody thank you ed again and please pick up the book um, marcher walker pilgrim. It sounds like the movie uh, Tinker Tailor Spy. It doesn't at all. But but it's the marcher walker pilgrim. Yeah, I suppose you're uh, good. Cool, cool tone. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>